Well, I don't know about you, but as I've thought about prayer this morning, I've kind of come to the conclusion that it's one of the great mysteries of life that we actually can pray. I don't think chooks pray. Um, I don't know whether snakes pray. Um, I, I don't know whether any other animal that's on the planet actually prays. And I've talked about what I think is the reason that it defines us as human beings that we can pray is because we believe things. And uh, prayer is something that doesn't actually make any sense to even contemplate as a, an activity unless you and I believe something. And uh, prayer is one of, those, um, uh, one of those issues that I think is are pretty well accepted as a part of what we as human beings can do. Um, there are very, very few people that I've met, and I've heard other stories of other people telling me this, of people who won't accept an offer for you to pray for them. Can I pray for you? At the very worst, you can get a comment like this back, if that makes you feel better. Uh, it's like there can be a cynical, or there is occasionally a very blunt no thanks. But I would want to say they're the exception, not the rule. Because I think we are wired with a propensity to reach out into another realm that we can't explain and whether we have faith in Jesus Christ or whether we have faith in the power of rocks. Remember that era when people were collecting rocks like, what's that new age stuff of the special rocks you put on the door or at the front door and people have all sorts of weirdo things they believe and some people would think us believing in Jesus is weirdo but let's not have an argument about the what, let's just get into the, the fact that we believe, amen? And so um, looking back over my life, I guess I've realised that prayer for me has been something that's been dynamic and fluid and, but that, and it belongs in, within every dimension of my life. There isn't a context I can think of where um, I go, oh, praying's not an option here. It's like praying's always an option. The big question that I reflected on is though, have I or did I, and if I did, did I pray well or effectively? Like, what is prayer and how do we actually reset prayer to become something that, that we engage with a lot more effectively? Um, and even that's a loaded question. Like, what does it mean to have an effective prayer? Like, what's got to change when we pray? And, and that'll depend, again, on what we believe as we come to the issue of prayer. So at C3 Church, Adelaide Hills, I've got C6 for you this morning. If you're taking notes, I've got six C words, which I haven't done for a long time. I haven't got a physical prop this morning. I've got six C words for you. So it's C3 squared. No, uh, double, times two, not squared. Uh, squared would be nine, right? Yeah, okay. So here we go. We'll start with these. I'll just give them to you, then I'll unpack them a little bit. So I reckon at the very beginning with prayer, the starting point for prayer is it's a choice. It's actually something that you and I need to choose to engage with. It's a choice, number one. Number two, it is then a conversation. Uh, number three, it needs to be, however, communication. It's not just a, I talk to God, he sits down, shuts up and listens to my plea for whatever or request for this, that or the other. It, it can start out as that, but I've got to have a revelation that it's going to be a conversation. Number four is it, that, in other words, the moment where it is a conversation with God, I should be beginning to get a conviction in here or in, in here of what it is that God's actually leading me into or leading me away from or just setting me on course to do. 
Number five is followed by confession. I don't mean saying sorry, I mean by probably professing. In other words, saying, letting what's happened in here become something that begins to be announced. It's not just a little private moment with God. I don't think any of our prayers, I mean, obviously our own secret, for of a better word, like our own private part of our world is a better word. Surely that's not to be trumpeted out, but I think some of the revelation, some of the insights that we get from God about life, generally speaking, we're actually meant to be confident to confess that. So other people get the good news, like confessing Christ is about exactly that. And then the last one, number six, is all of that will result in change. All right? Not necessarily change of circumstance, but at the very least, change in me, change in you, change in the person who's praying. So I want to unpack those six things. Is that okay? Okay, this is the first time you've had a sermon from me for a while that you can take notes in, so this is a good thing, right? So just telling you, take notes. Number one, it's a choice. Genesis chapter one, verses one and two, I've expressed before, uh, Genesis, the first few chapters of the Bible, I, I love just rereading that and letting it talk to me about all sorts of things, including my unfolding understanding of how incredible God is. And the first thing that I want to say about it being a choice is we're here because of a choice. We're actually in a universe that was created by choice. God chose uh, in the beginning to create. It was his choice. Say choice. choice. So choice is a big deal. I'd want to say to you, as you think about all sorts of areas of your life, that what you choose or don't choose what your choices are can de determine where you end up. In fact, some people say that we're the sum, where we are today is the sum of our choices. Our choices are powerful because they are a part of the nature and character of God. And so our choices can be creative. Our choices can be destructive. Our choices can sort of appear to be limited at times. Whatever that is, in the beginning, God created and God said, let there be. God chose to create and God chose to speak. And I want to say to you that when you start thinking about prayer, the smartest thing you can do is to choose to do it. So make a choice to pray, not as the last resort, but make a, be a, a decision to, to choose to be a person who prays no matter what, no matter where, whatever's going on, prayer is always a good option. Amen. Number one, choose. It's a choice. Choose. Number two, it's a conversation. I love this. In Genesis chapter 3, let's just put up verse 9 for a minute, Josh, and have a look at this. Uh, if you're at home with your Bible, just crank it out and have a look. Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. God actually is having the beginnings of a conversation with Adam and Eve. You just, in the earlier parts of this chapter 3, you may recall, they've taken some fruit from a tree. They've been both been deceived by a serpent and uh, they've both realised that they're naked and they've got a problem and they've hidden from God. And so the way the narrative of this chapter unravels, it just seems logical that God's going to call out a question, where are you? And it's like, and he's not looking for information about where they were. He, he's actually asking a way deeper question. And I'd want to say to you that with prayer, the starting point for prayer, ironically, as I just said, is a choice, but the, once you've chosen to pray, the step that we often miss is, well, I'm going to talk to God. 
but he starts the conversation, not you. Let me say that again. When you choose to pray, let me ask you this question. Does he start the conversation or do you? Because I think every prayer starts with this question from God, where are you? What's going on in here, Pastor Bruce? What's going on in here, Mr. Williams? What's going on in here, Pa? What's going on in here, husband? What's going on in here, friend or uncle or whatever context I'd want to put myself into? God wants to start the prayer conversation, not me. But he doesn't start it until we choose it. Is that making sense? And I want to say, I've often just bowled into prayer. It's like, I'm going to pray about this. It's like, well, maybe it's a good idea to, to reset that and pause when you choose to pray to see if you can hear God's voice, at least pondering this question, well, where are you? Where are you, Shane? Where are you? It puts a different uh, emphasis on everything to do with what I'm going to pray if I've considered that God's asking me a question first and foremost, not me coming to him with whatever is burdening me or whatever I'm going to be praying about. So it's a conversation that starts off. Um, it's a conversation. Let me say this very clearly too. God didn't leave Adam and Eve to sort of flounder around in the garden covered in fig leaves. He went to them and asked, where are you? God wants to know what's up. What's up in your life sitting in church this morning? What's up in your life sitting at home, listening in the car, watching this online, whatever the, the, the arrangement is for you to get connected with this message? I've got a good sense that God wants you to get something fresh in your heart this morning about praying with a different prayer life because it's going to be wrapped around understanding this vital question at the very start of every prayer. Where are you? What's going on? Tell me about it. He, he wants to know. And so he inquires as to what's going on. And Adam and Eve, as you know, they spill out that they've done this and start blaming the serpent. And God's not a happy character. He's actually a little bit ticked um, off with the whole situation. Uh, and so the conversation, you can read it. We might get down to it later. Um, but let me just say two dot points under this. The question from God stands behind every circumstance we find ourselves in. Sort of have already said that. And prayer is, from there, our response to that question. What is my response to, if I was to ask you that question this morning and put on the cap of pretending to be God, and you know I'm not, I'm not saying that I am, but it's like in a conversation we can kind of carry that down. So it's like, well, um, over coffee, where are you? It's like, and some of us will want to keep, like Adam and Eve did, they want to keep things hidden. And God's wanting us to have the courage to unhide it. There's things that can't be fixed in my life or yours until it's brought out of darkness into light. I don't know about you, but there's things in my life that I'd say I'm ashamed of. I don't even want God to even know that I've done them or thought them or seen them. But he's not silly. And so he's going to come to me, Bruce, where are you? It's like, uh, well, um, I'm busy. No, no. Come here, buddy. What's going on? It's not an inquisition to punish, even though in this story it's actually, it's punishment, it's not the right word, it's consequences. But God's, God's desire is for us to prayerfully bring these things into his presence so that we can find freedom. He's a freedom-giving God. 
isn't he? He's, not a, he's a God who's judged. He judges sin. He doesn't tolerate sin. He judged, judged sin on the cross with Christ. But he's not out to get a big stick out in your life and go, whack, you useless piece of junk. He wants you to actually own up to your shortcomings. Just own them. And then you'll find this incredibly embracing uh, forgiveness and cleansing a moment from God. He's a God who loves us. So make it a conversation with God. In other words, if your prayer life is all you talking, shame on you. But I've been there. I probably still go there a lot. I find it takes a lot more effort to listen, to say something and then stop and go, okay, God, I'm going to listen for a while. The most frustrating time about that is when God says nothing. Um, and I'll talk about that one in a minute because I think there's a reason why he says nothing sometimes. So it's a conversation that I guess I've pushed it into, it therefore is communication. It is a two-way conversation, but I want to say clearly again, it's a conversation which God directs. And I want to say to you that I've had a prayer life that has gone into realms of being, I direct the conversation. I say what I want to say. I, I speak, I speak in tongues. It's like, well, yes, you can do that. And you can put ideas out there. We can pray for this and ask God to bless that. And God, open this up and God, heal that person. God, we need revival. God, we need new people to come into our church. Lord, I got a, a list a mile long. We need more of this. We need more of that. We need more locations. It's like, I can be very virtuous as far as what I think is the motive for those things. But if I'm only talking to God, asking him to do things, I find it is really easy just to go there, do that. Oh, I've had a prayer meeting. Let's go home. Or I've had a prayer time at home or in the car or wherever. But I really realize I haven't listened to God. I don't know about you, but I have found not singing at church is actually a little bit of a help to not be thinking about singing the words. I do love singing and I like, I, you know, I'm right into worship. But I've decided to let the not singing bit be a time to listen. And maybe there's a, a season here, as much as we don't maybe all agree with or all like or appreciate the restrictions that are part of life at the moment, a sensible question to ask for a Christian, if you ask me, is, God, what am I supposed to learn about me and you in this? What am I supposed to get? If this is the way it is, let's just assume you knew this is the way it's going to be, which is what John said, it's like, no surprises to God. Maybe, just maybe... An uncomfortable, unpleasant, I don't agree with moment about how we're doing life at the moment might be the moment for us to go, okay, God, um, I'm going to pray about that, but I'm going to listen. What is it I'm supposed to learn about me? Is my heart soft? Am I actually getting, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, inappropriately indignant? Am I really ticked off and frustrated by all this and I'm just wanting to have a big Facebook rant it's like, you really can do that. I kind of don't do that. I did many years ago, a few, yeah, many years ago when I was stupid. Um, that was many years ago, right? Just, right? Just emphasizing that. Many years ago when I was stupid, right, Julie? <laughs> I don't know where, did you say anything or was that, that can't, no, nothing? Okay. <laughs> silence from heaven and silence from Julie. Okay, that's. that's that means get on with it, sunshine. All right, <laughs> communication. 
God directs it. Um, yeah, I'll fight, just leave that one hanging with this question. Does God direct your prayer time or do you? Um, and what does that question elicit in you in the way of a, maybe I could change what I do? Maybe is there quiet time? Is there, what is, you know, whatever that might be. I think prayer, the, the fourth point is conviction. I've heard other people talk along these lines, Pastor Phil in particular is one that comes to mind, about praying until you get it. Praying until you have an aha moment. Um, does anybody relate to that kind of, do you know what I mean? I'm talking about the length of time we pray, the sort of prayer we're praying, but not stopping praying until we actually get God, I think God and I are on the same page now. Now that doesn't mean I get what I want, doesn't mean that what, what I'm praying about is going to come to pass, all the circumstances are going to change, but there are moments where I just know that I've said what I had came to say, I've listened to God, and it's kind of like this, this sweet spot's just appeared, I kind of, I'm just sitting in that river, I'm sitting in a place of peace, even if all hell's breaking loose around me, even if life is still incredibly complicated and maybe the content of, as in the context of the prayer, is about something relational that's ongoing and toxic or difficult, you can still have an aha moment in prayer where God just goes, we good now? You good in here? Heart? Head? Are you good? It's like, hmm. And you just know. It's kind of an aha moment. So I want to encourage you to pray until you get a, in a conviction. And if it's a week of prayer, off and on, same subject, and you kind of pray about it and nothing seems to change. Anyone have a prayer like that that's happened? You've prayed about something and nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens. Sometimes God is just waiting for us to get our perseverance on, persevere in the prayer and just keep going, but there's no change. Well, what if there's a change after the 20th prayer? Well, what about if there's a change after the 20th minute of the prayer? What if there's some, and I, again, I want to emphasize and hear me very clearly, the change that happens in prayer is not so much the circumstance. It can be. It can be a miracle. It can be a breakthrough. It can be a restoration. It can be a relationship fixed. It can be a marriage repaired. It can be a wayward son or daughter restored. It can be all those things. But I think more important to God is that in the inner workings of your life and mine, through prayer, we find a sweet place of peace, this sense of well-being in spite of not having everything we want or think is fair or whatever. So um, get a conviction spot. Like keep praying until you hear or sense that God has actually had his final say on that matter for the time being. Does that make sense? Um, I think then, as I said, the fifth one is confession. How we talk about what we pray about is the point of praying. Let me say that again. How we talk about what we pray about is the point of praying. In other words, God wants my mouth to be transformed because I've prayed. So I could be a person who could be spouting hopelessness. I could have a little rant about something that I was upset about, either to a friend or in a social media context, if I'm silly. Um, but praying about it can change me so I either say nothing, and that's, that's saying something, 
or I actually can start to say something that's positive instead of, or alongside of, or look for the good in what is possibly a bad situation. So all I'm, like I'm saying, we've got a lot of what we would think just normal freedoms that have been withdrawn from our wealth for the time being. We can get a very defensive and indignant attitude towards that, and some dear friends of mine have done that. Not a criticism to them. That's just where they've landed in the issue. But for me, I, I want to step beyond some of that in prayer to, as I've already said, God, what am I actually meant to get What's meant to be the aha moment for us in 2021 as coronavirus continues to create havoc and difficulties? Uh, Praise God, we live in a part of the world where they're relatively minor compared to other parts of the world and even our own country. Um, For that, we're grateful. Um, But that aside, I want to make sure I'm saying things that are building people up, building me up, being positive, saying, come on, we can do this. This is great. Not this is great as in let's do this forever. This is an opportunity for us to soar into something new with God. So I want you to think about has your prayer life in the last week changed your tune about what you're saying about what bugs you? Just that's kind of the point of the confession. And then the last thing is change. And this is right, it's related to the confession. Prayer is meant to change us over and above things. I can't say that enough. If your prayer life is measured, in other words, your KPI for prayer is results, the number one result is an internal change of heart and mind as the prayer of, of the situation. That in and of itself is a miracle. When you think about it, it's a miracle that time praying talking to God who we can't see, connecting with a spiritual realm that is real but not provable can change you and me in a blink. We can just have this, I don't know how you, I don't know if I gave the microphone and say, talk to me about an aha moment. But it's like, it's something like changing our mind. But it's, it's more than that. It's, it's our mind being uh, pushed by the Spirit of God to either lift us up so we can see what we couldn't see, lift us and shift us aside. Like prayer just shifts us. Like that camera, I'm looking at that camera and I can bend down there and not see the clock behind it, but if I move, I can see the camera and the clock. It's like there's things that we can't see that prayer just encourages us to take a step to the right, take a step back, take six steps to the left. Okay, one. Two, three, four, five, six. Now I can see Matt and Josh and the camera. Whereas over here, the view is, if I come far enough, is just the camera and a light. It's like what I'm seeing beyond maybe the problem. If the camera is the problem, what's behind it is changed by where I am. And so I think more than anything for me, prayer is about God changing me. Changing me, maybe it's about, and sadly, people use this language when we're praying for people who are sick, um, you know, particularly terminal illnesses and so forth, and some very unhelpful people talk about not having enough faith. <coughs> Ever heard that phrase? I might just turn this off and get the thingy me jog, what do you call it? 
There's one down here. Okay, that's sorry about those pops and bangs there. Um, where was I going? Change. Then what? Oh, not our faith. Thank you. Good. You're listening. Very good. That's not a helpful thing to say to anybody who's in a difficult place. But I want to say this, that, that prayer is never meant to be a mechanism to criticise or judge a person's faith. But there's no doubt that praying can increase our faith. And I think, ironically, it's actually probably more accurate to go, prayer actually is aligning what we're believing with what God's actually got in mind. Because prayer is about alignment. There's no doubt. It's not about me asking God to do what I want. Some people pray like that. I've prayed like that. Prayer is about God saying, Bruce, when are you going to move into the spot to do what I want and to be okay with what's going to happen? That, that's what the point of prayer is. The prayer is about me becoming aligned with him, not him becoming aligned with me. Anyone say amen to that? So that's the change that needs to happen. So in this example, in, in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve are advised of the consequences of their action and their lives are changed forever. They actually are removed from the presence of God because of the choice they made. Um, I'm not for suggesting for one minute that our prayer is going to remove us from the presence of God. But I want to say this to close. Prayer is not about getting what I want. It is hearing about, seeing, seeing clearly and experiencing what God wants. Let me pray then to just to close this morning. Father, I give you thanks and even as this prayer is being prayed. I pray, Lord, that each one of us would allow the 10 or 15 seconds of silence coming up in a moment to ponder the question put by you to us, where are you? Father, I pray that every one of us today would find our prayer world over this next month being revitalized, reset, that we understand because you're leading us how to pray effectively, how to pray faith-filledly, if there is such a word, how to pray with a sense of awe and wonder that God creator of the universe is listening to us as we speak I pray Lord you'd unlock our ears to hear your voice whether that comes through an audible voice, whether it's through reading your word, whether it's through conversations with other godly people, people we know by, who are Christ followers but Lord you, you've spoken to some of the heroes in the Bible through the mouth of an ass Lord if we don't get it you'll speak to us we just pray, Lord, that we would listen and hear. So guide us and direct us. I pray, Lord, that as we come to a close this morning, that your goodness would wash over every person. In his name I pray. Let your peace come, Lord, to every family, to every individual through these uncertain times. We pray, Lord, for people whose businesses were affected, even with the short lockdown we had here last week. Pray, Father, for courage to just settle on those people who are still trying to work out what that looks like in the days and weeks ahead. 
pray for our friends, family members who are interstate in places that are locked down and the uncertainty that that means and the fear that's in the community in some pockets, Lord. We just pray that every Christian can rise up in our country to lift up our leaders, to lift up the people making decisions, Lord, to pray for your wisdom and guidance and counsel to come in the days ahead. So be with us, Lord, today as we head out into the week ahead. Lord, as John mentioned, even with some of the things we've planned in our church this year, they've come and they've gone. We've had to postpone or cancel. Or I just pray, Lord, that we would find ourselves just going, God's with us on the inside. We just have this sense of God will provide all we need in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. just want to encourage you this morning, looking around the room, certainly online, that I've talked about prayer and prayer is something we do because we believe but believing and talking to God require us to actually engage with a person whose name is Jesus Christ and so we can have this sense of oh I'm into things I'm a spiritual person and I believe in God and I even understand that Jesus is his son but the gospel The story in the Bible about Jesus is very, very clear that every person who actually engages with and believes that needs to have a moment where God is invited to become Lord of our life. It's a willingness, it's a choice, just like praying is a choice. It's a choice to let Jesus be Lord of our life. It's kind of a weird thing to think about because it doesn't make sense to give somebody else control of your life. That's what becoming a Christian is. It's actually giving Jesus the authority. You've given it to him to actually take hold of your life and say, can I, will you now direct my path? And I do what you want me to do, I'll do it. You tell me this, I'll do it. It's like there's this sense of Lord. Um, We can do that because he died on the cross. Our sin's been paid for in full. We need to give our lives to him. We need him to put his life in us. And that happens through prayer. If you're watching online, there's a prayer on the on our website um, which you can pray about inviting Jesus into your life. If you pray that prayer, um, not on site here this morning, but by yourself, we really need to know you've prayed that prayer and would encourage you to click on the link below that prayer and say, I prayed that prayer. Let us know and we'll be glad to hook up with you and connect with you this coming week. And we'll make sure that we help you on your journey of discovering just how awesome God is. If you're in the auditorium and you've never invited Jesus into your life, I'd love you to just, in this moment, slip your hand up and say, well, actually, that's me. How does this happen? What's going on? And God's asking you, where are you? He wants to know where you are. He wants you to have a moment to um, receive Him into your life. And if you've never done that, we can pray a prayer together as well. But I need you to give me a little wave and say, that's me, Pastor Bruce, because we can pray that prayer together. If that's feeling a bit weird, <coughs> for whatever reason in your heart, I'll stay down the front. You can come and talk to me afterwards and we can pray that prayer and sort out the details later. So, God bless you. We're going to close with a song. Thank you, Emma and team. <laughs>